Our guest today is a medical historian, author of more than 45 books, and curator of his own collection of approximately one million photographs. I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner, and you are listening to ReachMD. Joining me today is Dr. Stanley Burns, an ophthalmologist and clinical professor of medicine and psychiatry at the New York University Langone Medical Center. Dr. Burns' extensive knowledge of medical history has led to his role as a consultant on dozens of documentaries and feature films, including the television series, The Nick and Mercy Street. Welcome, Dr. Burns. I'm happy to be here. I guess you should tell us, what is the Burns Archive and how did it get started? Well, I was always a historian and interested in history, and I began collecting photographs in 1975. I started using my photographs in lectures, and I was asked by the New York State Journal of Medicine at that time to write some articles and publish some pictures. So in 1977, I established my Burns Archive, which was the writing arm of the collection. And so since then, I've written over 1,100 articles, currently 46 books. We just published our 46th one and mostly on medical or medical-related topics. About 42 of the books are strictly medical-related topics. So that's how it all started. How old were you then? Let's see, that was 1975. I guess I was about 40 years old. So you were already in your medical career as an ophthalmologist. Yes. And, you know, I couldn't help wondering... Ophthalmology is, of course, concerned with vision, and I wondered if that was somehow connected to your love of photography. Is there a connection there? Well, the connection is in the details. The ophthalmologist is concerned with the tiny specks that get in the eye and what's going on. It's a microscopic profession, I mean, where you're always using a microscope to examine the eye or currently to operate on the eye. When I started, we didn't use microscopes, by the way, to operate on the eye. And photographs are the same kind of, besides the analogy of the camera, you know, with the lens and the film, the film representing the retina, in those days anyway, the analogy is perfect, but the hunt for detail is the same. You know, Dr. Burns, in 1977, I started my medical school, and I remember seeing the Burns archive in various journals and these strange illustrations. That was you. Well, at that time, people were not interested in photography. Photography had only become established as a valued document in the 1970s, and I was just at the forefront of that and began the interest worldwide, expanded and has still expanding exponentially. Currently, museums collect medical photography. Well, just from a practical point of view, I understand the collection is just enormous. How do you keep track of hundreds of thousands of these illustrations? Well, we actually have boxes full. We haven't digitized all of the images. We only digitize when we're doing a book or a journal. So we have many images digitized, probably a couple hundred thousand. We don't put them all online, only because in photography, you always want to see what you haven't seen. So we're just getting requests to supply specialized photographs for a variety of topics. This is such an enormous undertaking of 46 books. You mentioned you're a medical historian. How did that happen? I was always interested in history. I was born before the war. That's World War II. And the war fascinated me. And the events that led up to what we're doing today fascinated me. I wrote my first paper in 1956 
on David Rice Atchison, who was president of the United States for a day. And these arcane, unusual topics, which were important at the time, just took over control of my collections and my historical writing. And I write history and not heritage. Heritage is the story that you like to hear. It's the filtered history. And my history is, I assume everyone already knows heritage. And what you want to learn is the history, what actually happened. Because we tend to forget, just like in photography, you throw away your bad pictures of yourself. They're destroyed. And that usually happens in history. You want to recreate a nice line of perfect historical events to where you got today. But that's not history. Can you give me an example of something I might have learned as heritage that your research shows is really not the actual history? Well, let's just talk about the Nick. For instance, in the Nick, I show the actors doing surgery without gloves or masks. And the year is supposed to be 1900. But the history, the heritage of medicine is that Halstead developed the gloves in the 1890s and everyone was using them. Quote, everyone was using them by 1900. And so when I got criticism for having that on the show, I then sent my critics a collection of about two dozen pictures I had of operations being performed in the United States through 1905, where the major surgeons are not using gloves. If you are just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner. I'm speaking with Dr. Stanley Burns, ophthalmologist, medical historian, and curator of the Burns Archive. Well, as I recall, Lister's uh, anti-sepsis philosophy was taken up very, very slowly by the medical establishment. Well, there were only two 19th century medical inventions that were taken up immediately, and that was anesthesia and the x-ray. Although antiseptic surgery was developed by 1867, the proof that it wasn't well accepted was the assassination of Garfield in 1881. America's best surgeons and physicians dug their hands into his belly to look for the bullet. It wasn't until 1885 or so with Arapaid Gersters presenting asepsis and asepsis techniques that we finally realized that you had to be clean to do surgery. That's a fine detail that only a medical historian would really notice. I always like to use that. But if I had an original untouched photograph of the event, you see the truth of the event, and you also get to study other things that are not pertinent at the time, especially in medical photographs. That would be, where are the electrical wires? What kind of dress do they have? What kind of shirt? What's the gown? What's the position of the nurses? Who's in the audience? Where are the machines? How are they being operated? You'll never find that in a written description, whereas you need the photograph to be able to tell that. And because I had such an extensive photograph collection, we were able to reproduce some scenes just as they occurred. An example of the accuracy is we were using Lister atomizers to emphasize the aseptic technique at the time, and they were very expensive. The company bought one and then reproduced identical Lister atomizers so that we could have an accurate portrayal of how they were used. Can you tell me what's your latest project? My latest project is a book called, and an exhibition called Menser and Schmiss, which is the practice of German fraternity dueling, the hopeful result of which is to have a scar across your face and head. I was introduced to the topic by some German physicians who had practiced that. There's always a surgeon, a doctor in attendance who wipes the blades antiseptically and then sews the wounded students up. 
the idea was a badge of honor. It was for this person to learn to stand their ground. They could not flinch. If they flinched when they were cut, the match was over and they had to do it again till they learned not to flinch. And this is the world's first book on the topic and the first exhibition. I think there's been a couple in German written years ago, but I had those photographs. And it's a very interesting aspect of a Central European and especially German culture. And the interesting part about it is that there are several uh, fraternities still dueling for the same result, and that is to have a scar on the face. Wow. It served a purpose. You could walk into a room, and if someone had a scar, you knew they went to a elite university and belong to an elite fraternity. Well, you certainly have an amazing curiosity. Well, I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Stanley Burns, for joining us today. And I look forward to the opportunity of seeing some of your fascinating images. Thanks very much, Dr. Burns. Well, thank you.